Thanks, Obray. All right, so listen. Hi, everybody. Happy Palm Sunday. This is my seventh year of preaching on Palm Sunday, maybe eighth. I don't know. And so here's what we're not going to do, guys. We're coming off three messages that all had a common theme. I really enjoyed it. We just deconstructed the idea of big, mean God. That's what I called it. Big, mean God, parts one, two, and three. Number one, the Ten Commandments. They're actually, uh, what am I looking for here? They're ways of, uh, I don't want to say standards. I want to say they're principles. Yeah. Principles for relating to God and to one another. Okay, I don't want to get out recap, but they weren't just big, mean God giving you rules. Nobody likes rules and laws. And again, laws are there. Laws show up whenever our hearts are hard and when we need law. Law wasn't always there. It was a response to our hard heartedness. Second week, we talk about Peter versus John. There was two different ways to uh, approach King Jesus. One we call religion and one we call faith and relationship. Oh, that's still saying preview. Okay, good. Glad I caught that. And last week, we talked about the Akidah, which is Hebrew for the offering of Isaac. A lot of people thought it was just um, big mean God saying, hey, go sacrifice your son that you prayed for for 40 or 50 years. Go, go slaughter your son. And we realized that, no, that's probably not the case. Welcome, everybody watching online. Happy Palm Sunday. Here we are. Well, I just recapped the last three weeks, but you people, do you know we've been broadcasting every week sermons on Facebook now for over a year? 52, 54 sermons at around 40 minutes. We put like five, six hours, five, what is it, like 100 hours, 100 minutes or something like just flooding Facebook <laughs> with these things. And we're just going to keep doing that for everybody online. And we do consider you an extended piece of family. But I have a special message today. Um, typically, I would talk about Palm Sunday was the day that Jesus allowed himself to be revealed as Mashiach. That's Hebrew for Messiah, for the king. The long-awaited one of Israel. And the reason he got on a donkey is because that's what they did at the time if they were coming in peace. And that's why he got on the foal of a donkey, because he didn't ride a horse, because a horse meant war. So he rode a donkey to let them know, I'm coming in not as a conquering king, I'm coming as the prince of peace. This time. And it was the foal of a donkey to be the most extreme. And they laid palm branches down. This wasn't the first time they did that either in history. And they said, we submit and surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Hosanna. And that means save us. Save us now, in fact. Hosanna, save us now. So they greeted Jesus on their terms. And a week later, they yelled, crucify him. What? And for about six of these, well, for about 20 years, I would say, I... I sort of judged them for that. I said, how could you do that? How could you see the stuff he's been doing, blah, 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 and then yell crucify him? But you know what? I've done the very same thing in my life. This is not my message. This is last year's Palm Sunday message because here's the thing. Lots of us, we say, yes, Lord Jesus, come in and do what I want you to do. Hosanna, save us now. And then when you don't, I say, I don't want you anymore and crucify him. That was us after, after two pregnancy losses. It's he's not doing what he's supposed to do. You're not taking care of me. And so at that point, I have a choice. Am I, am I going to ch- continue to, to, to walk out the path and trust who he is, just like we said about the offering of Isaac? Do I trust in him? That's fearing, fearing him is, is trusting in the intentions of the Lord and continue walking with him. Or do I do what so many people of my friends and family have done and said, no, no, I'm not coming anymore. I'm not going to relate to you anymore, Father God, because you didn't do what I wanted you to do. Hosanna, save us now. And Jesus says, I'm doing something bigger. Steph alluded it today when she prayed. There's an immediate need with these people. And she even said something that if you were paying attention, you may have thought was, uh, well, you understand that it's a, a great prayer. But if the, even if these folks are, 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 are determined to pass from this life, they don't have to do it unsaved or sick or suffering. But a lot of us would go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, if they pass, then I'm out. Then I'm out. 
Jesus, you didn't come. You're not who I want you to be. You're not, you're not paying my bills the way you should. And, and, and I've got this sickness and all that. And so I'm done with you. That's Palm Sunday. That's Palm Sunday. When expectation runs into truth. But did I tell you that it's not actually my message today? That was heavy though, huh? <laughs> You've got it, man, for free. Go watch it on Facebook or NordFMC.com. You can listen to the, um, the audio. That's not my message today. No. Instead, this is going to be a heavy intellectual expository thing. I love talking about how to be a, good, uh, a better husband and a better father. You know I do. And I love talking about letting people out of prison and I love the day-to-day stuff. But you know what? I can't, we can never neglect the actual word of God. And I'm not, I don't know. I guess we, we just got to kind of do it all, you know? So as Easter Sunday approaches, here's what I want to do. I feel that God wants to broaden our understanding of what happened during the time. So just follow along. My, 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 uh, my idea is very simple today of what I'm, what I'm longing to do. So as far as Christ's suffering on the cross um, and what he did for us, I found something lately I want to share with you. A lot of people would say this. They'd say that the Bible is silent um, about the years between 12 when he's preaching at the temple and 30 years old. But actually, in the last few years, I've started to really disagree with that lately. I can actually, I'm going to show this to you. I want to challenge you with something I believe. Do you know what the Psalms are? They're like songs. They're in the middle of the Bible, right? Well, here's what I've discovered in the last seven or so years, and it's really reunited my Bible study. It's this. Psalms, yeah, they're beautiful. You learn about God and their prayer, but they're also very prophetic. Prophetic. Today we're going to start and we're going to learn about this. We're going to learn more about our Bibles. We're going to learn how inspired our Bibles are. This is not just literature. And we're going to look into Christ's life and sacrifice. And here's my goal. To honor him. That's it. This is not about you. You're not going to walk out of here feeling like you went to a birthday party. This is to honor Christ Jesus at this time. It is Palm Sunday. I'm going to start with a clue. Does anyone remember, anyone remember that on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that ever strike someone as odd or like, I'd like to know more about that because it's a strange thing, right? Let's look into that today. That was in Matthew 27 and Mark 15 because I'm not showing that today. But listen, here's what I've learned about Bible study. All of this is very much inspired. Don't make me go into lion, ox, man, and eagle, the design of the gospels. I will at some point or you can drag it down online. But here's what I believe is happening when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's actually quoting a psalm. Did we know that? He's quoting a psalm. And here's the thing about that culture, much like when he stood up and read the scroll from Isaiah. In that culture, if you said the first line of something, you're referencing the whole thing. So um, I was going to say like, sugar, oh, honey, honey. Do you hear it in your head? <laughs> All right, you're welcome, by the way. You're very welcome for that one. <laughs> but um, I'm re- when he says that, he's referencing the entire thing. And so here's me going, I don't understand why he said that, how he said it. First off, it seems like out of character. It, it does. And so here's what I did, ready? I found that it's actually a psalm. And so he wants us to read the whole psalm. So it's Psalm 22. Now here's the thing. King David wrote this about a thousand years before Jesus, Okay. King David, a thousand years before Christ Jesus. And let's look at this. He's speaking his inmost feelings, I believe. So let's look at three Psalms to start. Again, welcome online. Here you go, right there. Boom, you see it with your own eyes. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I am not silent. This is a very legitimate prayer, by the way. If this is how you're feeling, don't bottle it up. Give it to God. Do you understand that? Follow the example. Western world, the Western culture has gone crazy with this. If you're angry, be angry. 
get get it out and get rid of it, okay? This is the example. Second one. Next one, please. Thanks, Bray, for waiting on me on that one. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. He goes back and forth here. You are the praise of Israel. And your fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. Next, please. Last one. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I'm a worm and I'm not a man. I'm scorned by men and despised by the people. Boop. There's something in there that I want to I wanna show you. Um, I'm a worm and not a man. So I feel as though by Jesus saying that in the cross, lots, he's teaching us lots of things. And Bruce and I are going to, we just talked about this too. Just that one statement I could spend six weeks on. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But we're going to touch on it today. But I also discovered something. He says, I'm a worm and not a man. That's peculiar to me. Now, sometimes if you're reading, by the way, don't ever get into the Bible. Just, okay, this is my advice. Don't ever just read the Bible. This is what you do first. Father, help me to understand this. Because it's not Huck Finn, man. If you try to read this as literature, you're just denying. Wisdom is the key that unlocks the treasuries, treasures of the word of God. And you got to pray for it, right, Bruce? You don't just walk in there with your own strength. And so God will highlight things to you. For me, he said worm. I'm like, what is worm? Ready? This is crazy what I'm about to show you. All because Holy Spirit highlighted worm. Ready for this? The term worm is tola, and it means scarlet. So he's using the word tola here in Hebrew, and it could mean scarlet, it could mean crimson, it could mean worm. You ready for this? Now, tell me if this is irony or if it's the power of the word of God. Scarlet dye, for you men, that's reddish, because we don't speak, right? We speak Roy G. Briv. I don't know what turquoise is and stuff, but anyway. Scarlet dye was made from a particular worm back then. Sermes vermilio. Everybody knew this. If you wanted any red whatsoever, one, two, three, four, four, couple, you guys all had to go and get get the dye that came out of Sermes vermilio. Oh, that worm right there. Everybody knew this, okay? It was expensive. This is how it happened. Here's, you ready for this? That particular type of worm, again, if you wanted scarlet, you got to go visit that worm. They'd pierce the thin barks of twigs. They suck the sap from which it prepares a waxy scale. So it does a scale that protects its body. Now, the red dye is in this scale. That's why it's important. So when reproducing, you ready for this? The female climbs onto a tree, usually a home oak tree. It bears its eggs. The larvae hatch, and then they feed on the body of the worm. It literally gives its life for its kids. Okay, that's kind of, okay. But when that happens, a crimson spot is left on the branch. When the scarlet spot dries out, you ready for this? I can't make this stuff up. It's from a science website. In three days, the scarlet spot turns white. And flakes off. What? Are you kidding me? Come on. On a tree, guys. On a tree, which is word for word. Christ was crucified on a tree, they say. On the tree. So it's on a tree. It dies for dies for the ones it loves. It turns red to white. No, wait. Scarlet to white. That's also an Isaiah. I don't have it for you here, but ready for Isaiah says this. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Is this ironic or what, you guys? So actually, David, a thousand years before Christ, and again, I'm telling you, this is about Christ Jesus. He says, I'm a worm and not a man. I'm a tola. I'm Sermis Vimilio. I'm going to go up and die for those I love. It's red turned to white. What? In one word, he just gave you a crazy clear word picture, right? Or maybe this is just ironic and I'm making this all up, right? No, that's why Jesus said it. He said, you really want to know what's going on here? Psalm 22, we already wrote it a thousand years ago. Holy Spirit wrote it through David. And yes, it pertained to David's life. But how many people know the word of God can have 12 different layers where a person could be saying something, but it also pertains to this and this. That's why we know it's alive. This is the living word of God. I'm just getting started, people. Let's, uh, let's keep going. We're back into the Psalm 22. 
All those who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their head. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord deliver him since he delights in him. Pause. A thousand years ago. But this is familiar to me too. Can we do one? The next one, please. It should be Matthew, right? Now, in Matthew, when it comes to Christ Jesus, they say, he trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants. For he said, I'm the son of God. David told you what they were going to say to him on the cross, Mike. And we see it fulfilled in Matthew. How many people know that, what have I said before? The Greek model of prophecy, if you weren't here last week, is something is predicted and then it comes to pass. The Hebrew model is something is demonstrated and then it comes to pass, right? Prototypes. Remember I mentioned prototypes. This is crazy, right? So I guess let's keep going. Yeah. So we're back into it. You brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. I don't know why Brian does that to you. Be not far from me for my trouble is near and there's no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Okay, so bulls surround you? What are you, what are you at a rodeo, bro? <laughs> Sorry, I just came up with that. Sorry, I thought that was funny. Um, that, what? Shut up. I thought it was funny. Rodeo. Um, okay, but then I look into that. You ready for this? We're talking about Psalm thousand years before Christ. Do you know where uh, um, um, the, the region was called where Christ was crucified? Yes. Bush on. You know what strong bulls is an idiom of? The highest caliber and class of the demonic realm. So he just basically said, wow. so David's saying, but he's alluding to the fact that Christ is saying, many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. The highest choirs of, of the dark spiritual realm are around me at this moment. My goal today is to get us to honor Christ Jesus and what he went through. We're getting a much clearer picture of the crucifixion, aren't we? We just looked in the spiritual realm. I mean, whoa, as men, we can understand this is target number one. This is the seed of the woman from Genesis 3, right? That's going to crush Satan's heel, head. He's going to strike his heel. Do you not think that the biggest guns of the demonic realm were focused on Jesus Christ? Okay, do I need to show you the temptation of Christ Jesus where Lucifer himself shows up? Remember, he's not everywhere at all times. He's in one spot at one time, and he goes and tempts Christ Jesus. So Jesus is just saying, in the spiritual realm, Walt, the biggest of the big fallen angels are here fighting against me right now. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. This is, this is a bigger, more intense picture than we think. And we're getting it from Psalm 22. Let's keep going. That's one thing. I think we're pretty convinced. Roaring lions, again, tearing the prey open their mouths wide against me. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is turned to wax. It is melted away within me. The fulfillment of that is when a soldier pierces Jesus' side with a spear, what happens? A sudden flow of blood and water comes out. Exactly. John 19, 34. One more, Brian. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt, pot shirt, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They pierced my hands and feet. Oh, wait, what? Pierced my hands and feet? Sounds like crucifixion, right? Okay, we got a problem. Crucifixion didn't actually exist at the time. It wasn't invented till way later. And again, this is a thousand years before Christ Jesus. But yeah, the Romans invented that. Romans weren't even on the scene a thousand. What is he talking about? Do you see what he's prophetically letting us see more about Christ Jesus? Are you convinced? Good. I'm glad you are. Hands and feet pierced. Um, what's our next slide, bro? Sure. 
I can count on my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Now that's familiar, right? Next slide, Bri. They cast lots for my clothing. Here's Matthew. They divide up both clothes by casting lots. So this is the power of the word of God, Mike, as you well know. Time and space don't matter when it comes to the information that God is giving to you, your, his kid. Anybody know anything about information science? You spread out your information through several different channels so that someone will need to do to decode the whole thing to intercept your communication. In other words, our soldiers are over there. You don't just broadcast where your troops are going to be on one channel. We've got the channel. We decoded it. We know that. No, you send it out across this whole thing. That's the word of God, you guys. The truth actually comes from the Old Testament and the New Testament coming together. So in order to know what the crucifixion truly was, we're talking about Palm Sunday in a week from now, Easter, we got to see the whole thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. It actually makes me appreciate God and, and, and Jesus and what he did for me even more. And so um, let's look at what's going to happen after the crucifixion. I believe we're still doing Psalms. So let's, let's do this. What's going to happen because of this, says the Psalm? The poor are going to eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. What a change in tone, huh, guys? All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him. Come on, guys. You're an English teacher. It went from a lamentation, a dirge, as it were, to celebration with an exclamation point. Don't you see Psalm 22 maps out the whole crucifixion of Christ Jesus? Even to the after effect? Isn't this amazing? What better time of year for us to see this and honor God about that? It's worse than we thought, first off. And the good news is great news. It magnifies everything about it. And if you're magnifying Jesus in church, I think you're winning. So that's it for some, this psalm, isn't it? Oh, sure, let's do it. Okay. For the dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Amen about that. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Right, you got no choice. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord because of this event right here. They will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn for he has done it. That reminds me of tetelestai in Greek, which is it is finished. I just saw to that. So this is dynamite, guys. This is absolutely awesome. I'm very excited for this. So I want to, uh, I got to touch on this one thing real quick and then we'll move forward. I got something to show you that I love. Did, did God forsake Jesus on the cross? Well, I alluded to a couple weeks ago, this pretty famous Bible teacher, I caught one of his YouTube videos and um, this Muslim guy asked him, the, this guy was witnessing, and this Muslim guy stumped him by saying, can God die? And the Christian who wanted to share his faith said, uh, or, uh, or, uh, because the Muslim said, well, if he's got God, the nature of man and the nature of God and his God nature can't die, well, that's not really a big deal at all. See you later. And so I got to thinking about it, and here's the thing. Real quick, just my opinion. Feel free to have a conversation with me or write me. By the way, norwoodfmchurch at gmail.com if you ever have questions or criticism. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> did God forsake Jesus on the cross? Can God die? What is death? Death is not when you lay to rest because energy cannot be created or destroyed. If you really think that you're going on to nothing, you have more faith in you than I do because we've never experienced nothing. It doesn't exist. So death is not that. So death is actually, how does the Bible say, Bruce? It says separation from God. Did Jesus, can, can God die? Jesus just told you, my God, my God, why have you broken relationship from me? Do you understand that? Now, Mike, did he know that was going to happen? Why, yes. He was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He did this for us. Matter of fact, pretty much every word Jesus spoke was for you, not him. Do you ever notice that? 
is to teach you something, to show you something, mold, prototype. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does God always, what does Jesus always call God? You can do it. Yeah. Father, right? Not now. Why? See, you got to look into this stuff, right? Bill, why? Why in this one moment does he say Elahi, Elahi? Not Abba. Whatever, that's, that's the language. Because in that moment, guess what? He was no longer a son of God. Otherwise, he would have said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, forsaken, you know what forsaken means? I've had friends in my life that completely have broken relationship from me I no longer have contact with. They've removed themselves from me and I no longer have access to them. That's forsaken. Permanently. Okay? So he says forsaken. Boom. Why have you forsaken me? Why have you broken relationship from me? Let's, let's look at this in 2 Corinthians, please. I'll, I'll show you why. This is good news for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin. Not to imitate sin, not to look like sin, not to partially, guys, get this, to be sin, so that God made him who had no sin actually become sin, so that in him, in him and only Christ Jesus, we have access to becoming the righteousness of God. So God made him to be sin. Can God be in the presence of sin? No. So God actually had to forsake him, to break relationship from him. So did Jesus die? Can God die? I believe in that moment, absolutely he was dead. He was in a place of death because he was forsaken by God. Now, here's what I say, because some of y'all are going to miss this. No one in this room or that will ever hear the sound of my voice have ever been forsaken by God. And you want to know I know this? Because he's the creator and sustainer of life. So Ricky's heart's beating. God's doing that, not you, bro. Right? Even if you have an artificial valve and some... God's the one keeping that going. All the cellular divisions in your body, Mike... So you've not been forsaken by God, not for a moment. To be forsaken by God is for all good, all light, all that to be gone. And you don't even want to think about that moment. A lot of weeping, a lot of gnashing of teeth in that place. You get it? To be forsaken by God. So did he? Yes, Bible teacher, absolutely. Jesus died spiritually on the cross with our sins inside of him. I'm going to show that to you visually in a second. How can you do that, AJ? You'll see. And then, of course, he had a physical death after that. Guys, if you, if, and Bruce and I were toying around with this, and, and here's the thing, if you don't think God, Jesus was forsaken by God, or that Jesus, the God died, then you're actually taking some of that away from him. Because he did. Do you understand what I'm saying? Being me going over to one of your boys and saying, oh, that metal, that metal, that metal, you didn't do those. No, this is my entire accomplishment. Receive it and honor me. Do you understand that? You don't just go, well, no, because I can't understand it. It probably didn't happen. Get over yourself. What are you, nuts? Do the work. <laughs> so he bore and took on our sins on the cross. Our, all our failures. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Let me, let me bring this down to Monday morning. <clears throat> all your failures, all your unbelief in Christ. Every single time you break his standards, that was heaped onto Christ when he was hung on the cross. And so again, therefore, God could not be there. He, he, he could not stand there amongst the sins of mankind. He had to bring justice. And, and fulfill his word. He commands that sin cannot be in the presence of God, so yes, he turned away from Christ Jesus. And we realize that it explains the despair that we just read in Psalm 22, notice. And also, here's the thing, ready? After he was forsaken by God, the next thing he says is this. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So something supernatural in the same realm as the bulls of Bashan was happening. My God, why have you forsaken me in this moment? Oh, by the way, what was happening in the natural? Does anybody know? Darkness is over the whole world or in that area. It's the brightest sun. And Israel's not short on sun, by the way. It's not Seattle. 
And all of a sudden it's dark. So much so that what does the Roman centurion as made famous by John Wayne say? This truly was the son of God. Look at this. And then guess what happens when he says, into your hands I commend my spirit and it's finished. A huge earthquake, guys. So what's happening in the spiritual realm? I believe he's forsaken. And in that moment, something happens. And then boom, it's father into your hands. I commit my spirit. Boom. And all the way up. You know what? Let's, mm, let's do the video. I want you to see this. Hey, this isn't brutal or anything like that. But I'm not here to make you uncomfortable. But I don't care if you're uncomfortable too. I'm here to show you what happened with Christ Jesus. Sorry, that was so dark. I mean, you can whatever here's what you see I can get the lights again guys if you don't mind here's what you see you see he's up on the cross and it all goes dark and then you see these like smoke things that say sin condemnation death all that comes into him and everything goes dark okay and he said you know in that moment they all go into him it's this thing it's this struggle it's this battle he bears it bore carry take the weight bears it and says, you know, it is finished. It's all in me now. And and goes up to heaven. Get it? Them down and he rose. And in that moment, I'm sure that the bulls of Bashan were very confused. Very confused. Because the whole time they had him. Wow, okay, great. The whole time they had him in their sights, right? As long as we can take him down. They gave everything they had to Christ Jesus and then God raised him. In that state. And freed us from it. Do you get it? And you notice that when that darkness that was so focused and concentrated in that moment, when that went away, right, the, the light came for all of us. The light came for all of us. So really quickly, let me touch on something as this audio is creeping out on me for some reason. Um, and I'm a little nervous they're not getting audio in there, too, because the meter's not moving. It's just a mess. Okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. Really quickly, I want to challenge you with something. I want to look at Psalm 69, a deeply prophetic psalm. Because in order to honor the Christ Jesus, I want to show you this really quickly. We're going to learn that this, um, if this is true, what I'm about to show you, Christ actually suffered way more his whole life to do what we needed him to do than we may have previously thought. So let's go right through Psalm 69, please. Save me, O God, from the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths, there's no foothold. I've come into the deep waters, the floods engulf me, okay? Those who hate me, Without reason, outnumber the hair of my head. Many are my enemies without cease, those who seek to destroy me. I'm forced to restore even what I did not steal. For I endure scorn for your sake, and shame covers my face. I'm a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my own mother's sons. Hold on. A shame covers my face. I'm a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my own mother's son. Now, this is a patriarchal society, so why would someone say my own mother's sons? Because he wasn't Joseph's son. If this is truly a psalm of David, talking about David's growing up, by the way, hence, hence Jesse didn't bring him forward as his son. That's his whole thing. But the second layer is he's speaking for Christ Jesus as well. I'll prove this to you. Shame covers my face. I'm a dirt. Now listen, for I endure scorn for your sake. Let me, let me paraphrase that, Mike. Something you did, God, makes me endure scorn. I believe he's talking about the fact that Mary was born of immaculate conception. We're going to see later on that this is something that followed Jesus, Yeshua, around his whole life. Next one, please. Stranger to my brothers and alien to my mother's sons. Zeal for your house consumes me. The disciples quote that, remember, when he turned the den of thieves. And the insults of those who insult you fall on me. 
So God, when people insult you, it falls on me because he is I and I and him, right? When I weep and fast, when I do Jewish things, ceremonial things, I endure more scorn. When I put on sackcloth to mourn, people make sport of me. Oh, he's probably trying to get hold of his dad, Mike. Remember? Because he says God's his dad. Okay, next. Those who sit at the gate, which is like the city center, mock me. I'm the song of the drunkards. But I pray to you, O Lord, in the time of your favor and your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Song of the drunkards. It is my speculation, I'm going to prove it to you, that yes, like I say, that stigma followed Jesus around. Just like you hear today, by the way. How many people have ever heard jokes about, well, imagine Joseph's reaction when Mary told him, or did he really believe it? Right? We hear jokes about that all the time. They were singing songs in the uh, proverbial tavern back then about Jesus when he was walking around. Uh, come near and rescue me, redeem me because of my foes. You know I'm scorned, disgraced, and shamed. All my enemies are before you. Okay. Let's get going. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Time out. That's familiar. Giving me vinegar for my thirst. I don't even... Let's see. Do we have John next? So... John nineteen twenty eight. Later, knowing it was all completed, so the scripture would be filled, Jesus says, I'm thirsty. While he's on the cross, a jar of wine, vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, lifted it to his lips. When he'd received the drink, Jesus says, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So there's the end. He says, they give me wine, they, right, vinegar. And then they do it on the cross. So could Psalm 69 be? There are clues that are trying to tell us that, yes, let's go back, or not back, but, you know, forward to whatever's next, because I'm off the script. I have no idea. That's it. Okay. Psalm 69 tells us that Christ Jesus suffered more than just a few hours on a Friday, guys, and with the, you know what I'm saying, and the whipping and all that. In my opinion, like I say, the way God went about saving us, it's followed him around. I could go into so much detail, but I, I know we're done. I know we're done, but the sin nature follows down flows down through the father's line right Mike sins and inequities of the father oh guys and if you really track it down uh, I don't want to go too much into this there was a blood curse put upon the royal line but not the legal line so everything that happened for Christ's genealogy this is why the genealogies are in the gospels it goes to show us that God meticulously arranged this so that he would come up and he would he wouldn't inherit the sin nature from the father do you see what I'm saying he didn't he didn't inherit Joseph's sin because he wasn't there's so much in that. But I want to tell you this. There's one time in the scriptures, and I'm not going to say Jesus lost his temper or snapped because Jesus was fully meek, which means power under control, strength under control. But uh, Bruce quoted it the other day. He's having it back and forth with the Pharisees. This is after he's, you know, famous Christ Jesus before the cross. And they say to him, which proves my point here, they, they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth. And he goes, well, we know who our father is. Right, Bruce? We're basically in the Greek. It's basically we're not born of fornication. They say to him and Jesus comes back with something very strong. He goes, yeah, I know who your father is. Your father's the devil. <laughs> he literally says that bill because they're serving it up to him. What he's heard his whole life. What it should just proved to you in two different Psalms. So I'm not trying to bring you down. But again, if Christ did something for me, I'm not going to turn my face because I'm uncomfortable. Sorry. That's not what I do. I got to stare at the face and shed tears. You think I didn't cry like a little baby when I first saw that? You guys were lucky it was dark and you couldn't see it happening. I'm sitting there. Alex is next to me. Tears are falling on my computer. He's kind of staring at me. I'm like, no, no, dude. No, no. 
<laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? But, but it was so much worse than this. Jesus was absolutely outcasted. Because here's the thing. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted because you were condemned. Right? You're going to be, listen, when you leave this earth, we're going to sing in a second. When you leave this earth, you're going to come into the biggest party you've ever imagined in a place we've not built to imagine. And there's not going to be any timidity. There's going to be a loving dad, even if you don't have one on earth, who's going to actually run to you and embrace you like the, like the prodigal father. Because Christ was outcast his whole life, right? Yes, we got to get this. We got to understand it because it's right to honor him this way. So, Guys, I pray that everyone in this room has made the choice to receive fully what Christ has done for them. Uh, out of my love for him, I would absolutely say that. That is, that is you know, it's the very least we can do. Because if we don't receive this, we're saying it didn't happen. And there's nothing worse in the world to, than to look at what that man went through for us and say, no, it didn't happen or I don't have time for that. Nobody's coming at you, dude. I'm just telling you, it's a very simple thing. It's easy for us to walk through because he made it easy for us because he did the work. We're going to sing a song that there's one spot in it that says, thank you, Jesus, just as I am, I come. Hallelujah. Oh, what amazing love. That's the reason I want to sing it. Keep that rolling and see if they can pick it up, just in case. We'll see. <laughs> 